welcome to Women's Health, Wisdom, and Wine, a weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email at info at To learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.larenawhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, remember to follow the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and tap on the bell to make sure you never miss an episode. Let us know what is your favorite topic, who has been your favorite guest, and who would you like to hear from on the next pod. Most importantly, share the podcast and your favorite episode with a friend or colleague. Lastly, remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. Coming up, I talk with Dr. Jessica Haymeyer about empowered and sustained weight loss mastery, finding your middle ground, the brokenness of the inherited paradigm, and your vision of vitality. Let's join the conversation. Cut down on refined carbs. Add resistance training to your routine. Drink more water. Eat more protein. Set a regular sleep schedule. Do more cardio. Keep a food journal. Fill up on fiber. Practice mindful eating. Snack smarter. Ditch the diet. Squeeze in more steps. Set attainable goals. Keep stress under control. Try HIT, high intensity interval training. Use smaller plates. Take a probiotic supplement. Practice yoga. Chew slower. Eat a healthy breakfast. Experiment with intermittent fasting. Limit processed food. Cut back on added sugar. If you've ever tried to lose weight, I'm willing to bet that you've tried at least 10 of these things. At least 10. So today's guest, Dr. Jessica Haymeyer, is talking with us about empowered and sustained weight loss mastery. Dr. Haymeyer, please introduce yourself and tell us more about your passionate interest in the field of weight loss. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. White. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. And uh, yes, as you said, I'm Dr. Jessica Haymeyer, and uh, I practice data-driven natural medicine. My practice is called Well Empowered, and my commitment, my mission is people having the health and vitality they say is foundational to authoring their life. Wow. Okay. I love it. So let's get into it. Oftentimes you'll hear in various industries the phrase, you can't argue with the data. And we all know, however, that data can be manipulated 21 ways until Tuesday to prove or disprove our respective points. So please speak about what a data-driven natural medicine approach really means to about weight loss and how you utilize data to help your clientele. Yes, absolutely. So data to me encompasses not just the numbers we get from labs, that is part of the okay. equation, and not okay. just the number on the scale, and all right. <laughs> not just someone's vitals, right, their blood pressure, all that good stuff, um, right. but it actually, I, I, it also includes the information people provide me about okay. uh, what they're doing and not doing, about what okay. they're committed to in the way of outcomes, like really what is their intention for their health and their Mm -hmm. life and also how they tick, right? Because, you know, typically people step into this weight loss world and the people who struggle, who I work with, really they've spent years or even decades trying a cookie cutter one size fits all approach, right? The whole 30 diet, the intermittent Mm -hmm. fasting, you know, whatever the diet Mm -hmm. du jour is, 
And one of the reasons none of them work is they're not constructed with the individual in mind, right? They're taking somebody else's playbook and trying to apply it to their life. So data, it includes to me, both the facts about where someone's body is, right? We, you know, yes, you can manipulate, you can take information. And if you're trying to prove a hypothesis, you can absolutely mm-hmm. prove it if you you work hard, <laughs> hard enough on it, right? doesn't matter what the, right. what the data says, right? But you right. can't argue with someone's fasting insulin, right? It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. And you can't mm-hmm. argue with someone's um, inflammation, HSCRP, right? It, right? it is what it is, right? So that those are yeah. numbers we can't argue with. But we can't act based on them. We can act intelligently, right? Because, you know, inflammation, for example, when it comes to weight loss is going to interfere with optimal metabolism. So in this example, having this data, having knowing that someone's inflammatory markers, HSCRP, for example, is elevated, Mm -hmm. helps us understand what actions are going to be required to break that vicious cycle such that metabolism revs up and inflammation goes down. Right. And that's going to be that's not going to happen overnight. That's going to be a multifaceted approach. And it also has to be grounded in the reality of that person. Right. Of their life and how they work or outcomes are going to be short lived. And to me, you know, when I think about what is an an effective action. Right. What is effective? um, Mm -hmm. It must be sustainable. Right. So if it's not a sustainable action, it's not a sustainable outcome. And what's sustainable for you or me or, you know, somebody else, they're all different. And that's totally fine. We just have to honor the truth of the people in front of us. Right. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think, again, you talked about data, you talked about sustainable, you talked about long term. And I think so many people have this instant gratification approach to weight loss that backfires so many times and that's why it's on the wagon, off the wagon, on the wagon, off the wagon. And there's no underlying, dressing the underlying cause. Sometimes that's emotional. Sometimes it is something that's going on in their body. Like you mentioned inflammation, you're not going to lose weight if, you know, you are constantly, you know, creating this imbalance, um, stress that's prolonged, not just that, you know, okay, I had a speech to give today or I had a talk to give and, you know, cortisol shoots up or adrenaline, but no, like you're just living this way. And I think a lot of us are living in this hyper stressed kind of just way of life where we don't even realize it anymore because that's just who we become. And we can't quite understand why we can't achieve some of those goals and even not just weight loss because we're in these perpetual states and they're not having, we're not having any recovery time. Absolutely. I love that you provided that context and that perspective. So before we go on, tell us a little bit more about your personal journey and how did you get here from there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, why weight loss is the thing I primarily focus on in my practice. You know, I work with other things, but I would say 70% of the people who I work with, they are committed to empowered and sustained weight loss mastery. And probably no surprise, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it is that at one point in my life, I really struggled with my weight, right? And I struggled with my weight for about a decade and a half, right? I grew up dancing, which many of Many people who hear that kind of understand, right, spending, you know, hours and hours a week in front of a mirror in a leotard with other um, people, you know, can create a set of problems around how, you know, like a little overly focused on body image, right? And of course, I love and adore dance. So the art itself, I'm so grateful for in my life. But for me, I really struggled with weight and and food and my relationship with my body until one day... Well, it was one of many days, but it was in the year 2004 that I really drew a line in the sand and committed to giving up the broken, inherited, all or nothing approach, right? I'd spent a decade and a half or so on diets, off diets, right? Mm -hmm. Doing uh, the extreme thing to lose weight only to gain it back and then some. And I remember this one moment of many aha moments in that year where I was standing in my kitchen in Chicago in my apartment and I I had in one hand my car keys and in the other hand I had this kind of sludge filled glass 
And <laughs> I'm standing there holding these two things, and I hear this sound. It's like, <laughs> and yes, that is my stomach growling. And my stomach mm-hmm. is growling because my sludge-filled glass was the remnants of the master cleanse that I'd been on for mm. three days. Yeah, like that's a nod of like, oh yeah, I know that one, right? It's like, I think there's like cayenne pepper and lemon and maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of like maple syrup in there. I don't even, whatever. It Some was like, vinegar, yeah, probably. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right, right. And, you know, so I'm standing there starving because I have been mm-hmm. starving myself. Wow. Funny how that happens, right? For a couple of days. And my car keys are in my hand because naturally when one is starving, they go to McDonald's to get a McFlurry. So like, that's what I was about to do. Right. I mean, obviously. So all makes sense. Right. Totally. So I was standing there and I was like, this is bananas, right? This is like, why I, I have been doing the same thing over and over again for way too long. Right. And I really got, first of all, the cost of struggling in this area of my life. It was interfering with me being fully present with the amazing people in my life and fully Mm -hmm. contributing at the level I was committed to contributing. So fundamentally, I got what it was costing me to continue to struggle. And I really got like, my life's not going like that. I am Mm -hmm. done with this struggle. And at that moment, I didn't know how I was going to get from struggle to ease and peace and outcomes, but I knew I was going to. Yeah. And I really got clear that my mastering this area of life was in service of love, of being connected and contributing to others. And so for me, that became my North Star rather than going in and out of, oh, good, bad, right, wrong with food, feeling ashamed. It was, you know, like those conversations of all or nothing would still come up in my mind. And I got better and better at dropping them and stepping into connecting to what this was really about to me, love and contribution, and then being Mm -hmm. in a journey of making a better choice and a better choice and a better choice. Until eventually I landed at a place where I was like, not only do I feel really wonderful in my body, I feel fully connected to others and I want others to have this too. Because, you know, it's, I do know what it's like to wake up and get dressed and feel frustrated Mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit of sense of despair and anger at like what it is to put your clothes on. And then to Mm -hmm. have that be gone and really like joyfully put on clothes that you like to wear, like just that simple little thing and go about your day being present with others. Like that's what I want for people, right? That's really what it's about to me. Wow. And that's, and that is when you use your own story, your own motivation, not only are you an advocate, but you, it's not about sympathizing. It's about empathizing. You've been there. You know what's going on. You have the feelings. So it makes you not just a better advocate. It makes you a better practitioner because you are right there sitting with in the position that the person was and knowing that you can come out on the other side. Yes. And I think a lot of times that's missing from a lot of practitioners that they're, you know, looking at a condition or looking from the outside and not necessarily looking into that person's eyes, being able to look into their soul and understand, yes, this is the despair. This is the frustration. This is the anger, all these emotional components that again, also negatively contribute to weight gain. And again, or just you're able to sit down in that space and make that person be able to be seen and heard and truly valued in that interaction. So I thank you for sharing your story because that again, powerful. So one of the most attractive features of our firm is addressing that underlying condition that of that presenting health challenge versus merely chasing or addressing symptoms. What do you believe to be the most overlooked and the most essential piece of that sustained weight loss process? I believe the most overlooked piece of weight loss mastering mastery is inviting people to really get clear on what will become available for themselves in their life when this Mm. is handled, right? Like, why is this so important to you 
is really the question I pose everyone who I work with. And, and not just, oh, think about it and, you know, be done, but really, like actually pen to paper, why is this so important to you? Because the number on the scale, let's be honest, if it were really so compelling, people wouldn't struggle with this, right? Right. But in the moment, you know, it becomes a tug of war between the brain and taste buds that have been uh, trained to love the pizza or the sweets or whatever, right? Like these foods are actually engineered to make people love them. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Yeah, like not get enough of them sort of thing, right? They are like addictive. Yes, I mean, yeah. And it's literally. addictive. Let's, let's be honest. We talk yes. about sugar, salt, yes. high fructose corn syrup. Yes. Like, yes, let's be honest. Those yes. things taste better. Yes. They definitely taste better in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Right. So when people, <laughs> people are standing in the, the old way of working with food, it becomes in the moment, a, them against, you know, the pizza, them against the <laughs> right. ice cream, whatever their personal right. like Achilles heel mm-hmm. is. Right. Yeah. But when they get very, very clear on why they want their health, why mastering this area of their life, their weight would really mm-hmm. make such a difference for them. It becomes a different consideration, right? For some people, it's, you know, the future they see with this area of their life handled. I mean, simply put, some of it, it really is like life or death, you know? Yes. And, for- and I think for a lot of us, it's life or death. We just don't recognize it as so. Yeah. Because that you don't w- gain weight overnight. It's not like you wake up one morning and you're 20 pounds ha- heavier than you were the day before. Right. That 20 pounds is over months. And then that 20 pounds becomes 40. And that's, you know, potentially over years until like there's a set point where it's just like, yep, this is where I'm at. But those are habits. Those are practice ways of being accumulated over time. And you're still continually doing with every pound. There is some type of health compromise because they're putting extra stress on some organ. Yes. Something's working overtime, mm. whether it be your heart, your liver, your kidneys, something is working over high over time. It could be your spleen, your pancreas, something is working extra to deal with all that extra. So yeah, I do think it's a life or death situation. It's just how we're perceiving it in that moment and versus the long term. Yeah. And and for some people it really is, you know, be here or not. And for other people, it's a different kind of be here or not. It's Mm -hmm. like actually be fully present, bringing your gift fully to the world. Like, yes, that's life. That's living. Like let's, let's play for that. (laughs) Not just existing, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. And I always use that thing, you know, that phrase, you know, add, not don't just add years to your life, but add life to those years. And I think more people would be happier if they were in the present and being here in the now versus if I do this, you know, if I lose this weight, then in 10 years I can, or then I can, but okay, let's work about what you can do right now in this moment. Yes. What's the, the choice you can make right now that's going to enable you to do those things. And again, life is a series of choices. And I think we sometimes just get overwhelmed with all the different choices and decisions that we have to make merely by going to the ice cream aisle and thinking, okay, how, where do I start? Cause there's a, there's so many options. So yeah, I think that again, very important. In your last response, you spoke of an inherited paradigm that's essentially broken. Explain what that means and how does inventing something new address this brokenness? Yeah, so the inherited paradigm is the all or nothing paradigm, right? You're on a diet or you're off a diet. Like those are the two options, (laughs) right? Um, You are eating salad, and getting home maybe a little bit hungry, uh, arriving home a little bit hungry, or you are eating the entire pizza and having a box of cookies, right? Like the all okay. or nothing, right? That is typically right, how people, you know, relate to nutrition, right? Well, you know, I had, I, I wasn't going to have any pizza and I had one piece. So just, I said, screw it. And I had, you know, four more pieces and dessert instead, instead right. of not having mm-hmm. any, right? Like those are the two <laughs> options. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. And, and it's, it really is inherited, right? If you look around the world, like that is how people talk about 
their choices. Mm -hmm. Oh, Sunday's my cheat day, right? Oh, I was good yesterday. That's all part of the all or nothing paradigm. Now, so there are different features of this all or nothing paradigm. And one of them that you just said yes to, right, is most fundamental. And that is a confusion that collapses morality with our choices, right? So food and beverages are not good or bad, right? They are not good or Mm -hmm. bad and you didn't cheat yesterday and you weren't good on Friday or whatever you might say, (laughs) right? Because that language, good, bad, cheat, that is all the language of morality. And there is no morality in our food and beverages. They simply produce outcomes. And Mm. either you Mm -hmm. like those outcomes or you don't, that's fine. It's good. It's important to know that. Do I like my outcomes or not? And if you don't, then new actions will be required, right? Only actions produce outcomes. So, you know, that, that is certainly, you know, like that's true in all of life. Now in the way of shifting the paradigm, right? Starting to step away, you know, giving up that broken all or nothing paradigm. What then? Well, it really becomes a journey of mastering your middle ground, right? Mastering your middle ground means that people over time begin to play a better game, right? Not a perfect game, but a better game. Yeah. You know, and I'll give you an example. I was talking to uh, a woman who I work with earlier today who's lost about 30 pounds in the last year. And she's currently at her in-laws and she's been there for the last two weeks, right? And she was sharing about these last few days and what she has been, uh, I call her, what her wins have been and where Mm -hmm. her challenges have been. And one of her wins, so one of her wins has been her quantity, right? She's been mindful of the amount she's been consuming these last few days. One of her challenges has been the quality, right? She's had less vegetables than she would in her own environment. But acknowledging both of those truths is really important, right? It is not you win, you lose. There is absolutely Mm -hmm. in life gray, right? And so she is totally playing a better game in a new environment that's really challenging. And she wouldn't have been playing this game last year, right? Oh, wow. And so mastering one's middle ground, in middle ground evolves over time, right? What someone might say is their middle ground, right? Uh, Another way to think about middle ground is bend, not break, right? But Mm, bend in a way that's intelligent such that you continue to move towards the outcomes that matter most to you. And then once you get there, you continue to preserve them, right? You keep living in that middle ground so that you can keep the outcomes that matter most to you. So it really is a matter of, of finding that, that bend, not break for, for you as an individual. Well, I love that. And again, just that mastering that middle ground means that it's going to, you're going to seesaw. There's going to be something, there's going to be some give and take. And again, still not bad, not good, but there's going to become some compromises, things that you have to change. You're really focusing on where's where's that stable point, that set point for you in terms of how you work around and work through on a day-to-day basis and making sure that stays as your constant. I love that. Mm-hmm. And that was a very good example as well because, again, who doesn't go on vacation? Who doesn't go to some place where they don't have access to their things? Yes. Um, because we all do, unless you just sit in your house all day long and do nothing and go we nowhere. We all did that for They're two years, be... and we were all kind of like, <laughs> yeah. we got old, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. That got old very quickly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's giving, again, practical, realistic situations and how to respond to them in real time. Yeah, yeah. And that was a very good example. So earlier on, you talked about the vision of vitality, and I immediately was transported to a different place. That mere phrase sounds and feels so empowering. So tell us more about the creation of this vision. Yes. So your vision of vitality, another way to say that is, and I kind of, yeah, I pointed to it in uh, one of our questions that we spoke about earlier So vision of vitality, uh, yes, I spoke a little bit about its essence in an answer a few minutes ago. And really what your vision of vitality is, is it is your intention for your health and your life. It is your intention for your health and your life. 
it speaks to both the what and the why,、mm -hmm. right? right? And not the what in the in the way of like, oh, I need to be this size or the scale needs to say、mm -hmm. this number, but the what in the sense of I experience freedom and ease in my body, right? I'm empowered、mm -hmm. by my body's beauty and ability. Those are examples of the what of an experience, right? The what of、mm -hmm. an experience. And then the second part of that one's vision of vitality is the why, right? right? This allows me to realize my fullest potential and empower others to realize their fullest potential. That's an example of、yeah. a why, right? So one's vision of vitality marries the what of their intended experience around their health and their life with the why. Does that answer your question?、Right. Absolutely so, absolutely so, and I just getting that clarity is again we can all we know what a vision is, we all know what vitality is, but really breaking that down because it's not just about the number on a scale, it's not even pretty much about a dress size or a pant size or a jean size. While those things are going to come along with it, but what else is it? Is it not having so much pressure on your knees? Is it the back pain? Is it being able to play? Is it being able to travel without having to count calories and you know measure out every single thing that you eat? Is it about having a little bit more freedom in terms of what you eat and not being enslaved to a certain food construct, whether it be you know Whole Thirty or whether it be you know I'm going to be you know keto, whatever it is. It is that vision of I'm living, I'm plugging into life, I'm engaged in life, and not just I am enslaved to this practice way of being based that's centered around food. Yes, I really enjoyed hearing that. In my entire career, I have only had three clients who, as a part of their goals, wanted to gain weight, which means that the rest were either happy with their weight, were trying to lose weight, or had just given up altogether. So, how does your data-driven, outcome-oriented natural medicine approach address the individuals in each of these categories? So,、uh, so for the person who would like to gain weight, right? Yes, those are few and far between. But I do encounter those unicorns <laughs> once in a while.、Um, but it, you know, it's the, it's the same thing. You know, so I, I I shared some of the data that I look at with people, right? Their lab work. And、uh, mm -hmm. I really get to know how they tick as a human being. But another thing that I have people do is we actually work off of a shared document where they track nutrition,、okay. beverages, symptoms, right? Because a lot of people, it's、mm -hmm. not just weight mastery that's part of their intention for their health and their life. Maybe it's around、uh, resolving digestive distress or. Um, mm -hmm. You know, clearing up their acne or skin challenges, right? A lot of different things,、right. or optimizing their energy levels, for example, right? So,、uh, in either case, whether you know, in any of those cases, whether it, let's just say it is the unicorn who's looking to gain weight, I would have them、yeah. track their nutrition. We would do those labs, right? Is there an underlying condition? Are they hyperthyroid? Is that why they can't put a pound on their body? Right? What's going on、mm -hmm. here? Is there something going on、yeah. with their gut? Right? Like actually.、Mm -hmm. um, You know, like, do they? What do they have a parasite? Is that why they're struggling、yeah. to gain weight?、Mm -hmm. Right. We so right. making sure we're ruling those things out, and then、uh, guiding them to intelligently add, you know, weight to their body. Right. Intelligently meaning that it's not just、um, eating a bunch of junk food to get more pounds on the, you know, numbers on the number on the scale,、right. but really. They're working to build their muscle mass, which is going to be way、mm -hmm. going to weigh more than fat anyway. And then、right. ensuring their、um, nutritional habits are still centered around nutrient dense foods that really support their、mm -hmm. health and their life.、Uh, for the person who's not looking to gain or lose weight, that's easy. Just you know, <laughs> we'll be working、mm -hmm. on something else in that scenario. Um, right. For the person who's looking to, you know, lose weight and then maintain, that's you know, like that's certainly where I live a lot. Is is like、right. okay, first we're going through the period of losing weight, and now there's like the less sexy time where it's like okay, great, <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. Right. At a certain point, you are、right. not losing any more weight. It wouldn't be healthy for you to do so. Right. And 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 there's.、Um, There's a really great book on mastery. I, I forget the name of the man who wrote it,、uh, but I, I can get that to you. But anyway, the punchline of yeah, the just book send it to me. is really that true mastery in anything 
involves, at least to some extent, mastering plateaus, right? Because mm-hmm. there's plateau, 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 lose weight, plateau, 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 lose weight, like that, right? But then there's yeah. also like, okay, you've arrived where you feel your best. Guess what? Now it's just mm-hmm. maintenance. And that's... And sometimes maintenance is yes, a challenge. exactly. Because it's like, oh, wow, this is now who I am. This is where I, my good place. Yes. But over the long haul... How do I keep and maintain those habits that got me to this That's point? That's right. And I think it's the bad habits in reverse. Like it's easy to pick up so many bad habits and make them a way of life. But sometimes those good habits, especially when everybody around you is not on the same wavelength that you are or encouraging you or reinforcing some of those good behaviors. Maintenance is hard. Yes. Sometimes maintenance is harder than losing the weight so in the first place. True. So true. So true. Because, you know, like the weight loss period, people are have the excitement. It's like the dangling, shiny mm-hmm. thing in front of them. And then they get there right. and they're like, okay, so wait, this is life now? Yes, this is life now, right? Um, <laughs> this is how we're doing right? it. Yeah, this right. is what right. we're doing. But I will <laughs> say, you know, when people really do authentically engage in the work of creating their vision of vitality, mm-hmm. which, by the way, the first step in that, when I work with people, and, you know, for all of your yeah. listeners, I really invite you to take these prompts and run with them because they can mm-hmm. be life-changing. The first prompt is... Let's time travel five years from now. Okay. So yeah. five years from now, I don't know about you, but in five years, I'm mm-hmm. 50. <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah, Congratulations. You. you don't look at it all. You don't look at it all. You don't look at it all. When they see you, were, they would not believe that you're five years from 50. Oh so good looking. You've done a good job. Good right, strokes right. person. Uh, but, you know, so five years from now, let's time travel five years from now and tell me the story in first person present tense of your health and your life as you intend it to be, right? So this is first person present tense. So for me, I'm 50 years old and I'm joyfully moving. I hike, I play outside, you know, like, and people will have their own truth that they'll express. Um, And so, you know, telling this five-year future of your health and your life as you intend to be first person present tense, that's the first step of creating one's vision of vitality. Now, the second step, and equally important, so just notice, listeners, right, if you uh, love the idea of, of doing that first prompt and you do it, but you don't like the idea of the second one, like you just got to press override and do it anyway, because the second prompt uh-huh. is still important. And the second prompt is, it's five years from now, and it's a spiral mm-hmm. down future, right? So Ooh. it's five years from now with your health in a spiral down future. So you don't have to go sci-fi. You don't have to create some like crazy reality. That's not going to be true, but really what would a five-year future Mm -hmm. look like for people in a spiral down future and telling that story in first person present tense, right? Because we all make Mm -hmm. change given by both the carrot dangling and the stick on the back. And that's basically, those are the two sides of the coin, right? And so when I work with people, we start with that. And from there, we go on to create one's vision of vitality, which is ultimately two to three sentences. But really Mm -hmm. getting present to that and staying present to that, when people really are cued in to what's at stake and also what's available, the relationship to the work really changes, right? People get really creative in solving problems. They start to take a, how can I approach And it's Mm -hmm. so fun to see people do this, right? It's so, I, you know, it was interesting during, you know, quarantining, working with people who had this like, you know, environment that was stagnant, like we were talking about, nobody went anywhere for two years and, you know, doing the work during quarantining and, you know, like people losing weight and then all of a sudden, right, they're vaccinated and they're out there in the world and they're like, holy cow. I don't know how to navigate a cocktail party and I haven't been to one for like two years. Right. It's like, welcome back to life. Right. It was, it was like a very cool Mm -hmm. experiment, but, but never before would we have seen so clearly the impact of our environment. Right. right? And that's not good, bad, right, wrong. It's just something new to navigate. Right. It's like, okay, so how do I take my intentions for my health and my life on the road? Right. You know, Uh I was sharing, you know, before we hopped on, I was sharing, you know, my husband and I, we, we actually live out of the country right now. And 
we do travel a decent mm-hmm. amount and I promise you, I take my show on the road with me, right? It's like my yeah. intention for my health and my life, it's always with me. And it took all, it took years of practice and, and just mm-hmm. one foot in front of the other. You do not get from A to Z overnight being in that, okay, yeah. what's a better game? What's a better game? And then after a while, like we said earlier, it just becomes your way of operating. Yeah. And that's, and that's the way of living. I mean, it's just another practice way of living, but this time working to your benefit, not your detriment. I like that. So this leads me to another conundrum. We see people across the whole life cycle from menarche to menopause and weight loss definitely becomes a problem when a person has never had trouble with their weight. And then bam, all of a sudden they can't seem to lose weight no matter what they do. And that includes like starvation. I mean, what is an essentially starvation. Um, So how do you address hormonal, metabolic, and namely thyroid dysfunction as a part of your sustained weight loss plan? Well, we'll start with thyroid because that I feel like in many ways is, you know, like the easiest. Uh, So I really believe, you know, in grabbing the best tools from all toolkits. So when I work with people with a thyroid disorder, right, there's an autoimmune process at play. So we'll work together to rebalance their immune system so that, um, you know, their thyroid can stabilize. It's not constantly chasing after Mm -hmm. more meds, more meds, more meds. But also, I will absolutely refer out to someone Mm -hmm. who's going to prescribe them medication, right? When someone comes in and they're undiagnosed hypothyroid and we diagnose them, like, okay, the right thing to do is to go get that toolkit with the medications and skilled prescription, right? Versus one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And and fortunately, I I do have some, some, some great resources to that end. Um, So, you know, get their thyroid stabilized. And then from there, starting to work on, okay, what needs to happen to support their body Mm -hmm. in losing weight. So um, I feel like when it comes to thyroid conundrums, it's, it's, it's not wildly different than someone without a thyroid disorder, except that oftentimes people, you know, um, when I encounter people who are undiagnosed hypothyroid, there is this initial kind of wish that like, okay, I'll get on medication and it'll just be handled. Right. And, uh, and, and it's Mm -hmm, just not true. mm -hmm, It's just mm -hmm. not true. Right. It's definitely, it's that, it's that speed way. I'm going to just fast track this. And as soon as I take a pill, everything's going to be gone. I'm like, exactly. there's going to be not quite that, but yeah, it's going to address what is going on, but how are you going to maintain yes. that? That doesn't mean you can still just eat whatever you want, however you want, not exercise, not take care yes. of yourself because you're going to have to actually work harder because now there's a diagnosable, whatever, you know, whether it be genetic, whether it be, you know, whatever that underlying issue is, we know that there's an issue. And so maintaining and helping and healing that is going to take more work than just losing the weight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And then, you know, when it comes to, you know, perimenopausal, menopausal mm-hmm. women, it, I mean, it absolutely is true, right? It does become, a, you know, what works for them to lose weight at that stage of their life is going to be different than what worked right. in their, you know, 20s, 30s, and probably even 40s. Absolutely. And, you know, arguing with that is like arguing with reality. <laughs> you know, you're only going to lose 100% of the time. It's right. just how it is, right? Yeah. And so really in those situations, it, it is a bigger game of, um, you know, insulin is, is you know, mm-hmm. the big thing to avoid spiking, right? Because every right. time we spike our insulin, our body goes into... Uh, you know, conservation mode, right. otherwise less eloquently known as fat storage mode, mm-hmm. right? But that's what yeah. happens when we spike right. our insulin. So it, it becomes a game of how do we create a metabolic situation where we're not spiking your insulin and where you feel satiated, you actually mm-hmm. are not like starving, right? And also, of course, consuming foods that you enjoy. And there is a dance in that, right? It is right. one foot in front of the other. Um you know, I know there's a lot of hype about intermittent fasting mm-hmm. and um, I am way more interested in how it occurs for the other person than finding the right, you know, like, oh, do this, do that, right? So right, for example, right. when intermittent fasting comes up in conversation, if someone says, should I do this, should I not? Or if I'm even thinking about suggesting it, you know, what I really want to know is for the person in front of me, does it 
does it land for you as something you could do forever? Right. right. Like mm-hmm. some people are like, yes, no problem. It actually makes my life easier. Mm-hmm. It's, I love it. And then other people, they get emotional, right? And they really yeah. feel like this feels like punishment. I'm like, okay, well then yeah. that's not our solution. If no. it feels like punishment, that is not our solution. Right. Yeah. Because that's going to, again, cause more stress increase that cortisol and keep that weight on and it's not even something that you're going to be engaged with because you don't like it yeah and that's like exercise why you know if you're not a person who's going to go out and do hit every day or boot camps or whatever it is prescribing that as something to do is innately just working backwards it's just not it's not helping at all so really trying to get that person engaged in the whole process is so important Yes. And, you know, I would add to that, you know, kind of looping back and tying into that whole all or nothing paradigm, Mm -hmm. that whole all or nothing paradigm, where it comes from is deprivation, is self-aggression, right? Deprivation and self-aggression are hallmarks of the all or nothing paradigm versus middle ground mastery. Mm -hmm. That comes from self-love. That comes from, you know, you know, really being curious about Mm -hmm. what works for you and honest at the same time, right? Right. It's not sticking our head in the sand, right? Right. You know, knowing the truth and honoring that truth are really important to create the future health and vitality one in tens. Yeah. And that just being gracious with yourself. And I think we're often, we can, we can forgive some pretty egregious things and others, but yet we're holding on and abusing ourselves and not forgiving ourselves for some of the mistakes and missteps, not even mistakes, but missteps that we make um, in, in this road of in this journey of life. So really being gracious with yourself and understanding like you're not going to get it right 100% of the time because none of us do, none of us can. We just aren't perfect. But really knowing how to recalibrate, regroup, restart, recharge, renew all those things so that you can get back and, you know, get back into that plan that you have for your totally. vision of vitality. Yeah. So when we and talked I will about say, them, oh, go ahead. Back, uh, and go I ahead. would say to your point, right, one of the key elements of when someone, I think about it like crossing the monkey bars, right? Mm-hmm. If you ever cross the monkey bars, you've fallen off the monkey bars. That's the rule. At least crossing once. The monkey yeah. Bars. <laughs> At least once. Yeah. And it, you know? And uh-huh. I don't know about you, but I loved the monkey bars and I still do. Yeah. When I go mm-hmm. with my aunts, my, my uh, nieces and nephews to the park, I cross the monkey yeah. bars. Um, right. but, but, you know, so I think about this like crossing the monkey bars. And if you fall off the monkey bars, the thing to do if you're committed to crossing the monkey bars is to get right back on. Right. right. And learn from what had you fall off. But, mm-hmm. you know, getting back on does to have it really be effective to really master crossing the monkey bars, getting reconnected to one's intention yeah. is a great place to go back to, otherwise known as your vision of vitality. Mm-hmm. Right. So tapping back into, OK, I made a choice. I regret. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not beating myself up. It's looking at what the actions I took and saying, if I could take those actions, if I could have a do-over, yeah, I would make different choices. Okay, great. Yeah. Acknowledgement. So, mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and also like, okay, how can I set myself up to make those choices in the future? Right. Right. I was talking to another woman who was saying um, she ran, she, this last week has been really crazy for her with her kids and work and, you know, just a lot going on in her life. And she was saying last week, she ran out the door, you know, without having the, creating the time to -hmm. have breakfast. And then by the time lunch came, she was so hungry (laughs) that she made choices she regretted. Mm -hmm. And so we came up with some solutions for that, that really work for her life. Right. Right. We stepped back. Well, first of all, we connected to her intention, right? Mm -hmm. What is your intention? And then we looked at, okay, what would be some good solutions? And then she got right. them and she's already got them rolling along. We communicated this morning and she's like, yep, I'm good to go. We're, we're making these happen this week. And, you know, it, it is learning from what doesn't work so that we right. can take actions that do work for us. That do work. Absolutely. And so when we, we've been talking about this, mastering this middle ground, and I love this kind of phrasing, you talked about the unique strategies, strategies for individual lives. So let's talk about the CEO versus the single mom versus the 25-year-old grad student. What about that person with PCOS, the person living with uterine fibroids, that perimenopausal woman, the menopausal woman? Talk about those unique strategies and those individual lives. And even if you don't have to go through all of them, but like, what does that 
individual approach look like? So for all of those, when I think about, well, there's the individual approach that works for the cadence of one's life Mm -hmm. and the time they have and money they have to give to different things, right? I have some people who live in major metropolitan areas and they are quite happy spending their money on someone else making them healthy food. Now, Mm. I'm only on board with that solution if it's a solution they can sustain, right? If you're just signing up for a quote-unquote meal plan sort of thing, Mm -hmm. and you're not learning anything, and you can't sustain it forever, I mean, or, I mean, people usually get bored of those foods anyway, so, right? right? I mean, it's probably not sustainable, then I'm not going to vote for it. But, you know, if someone lives in a major metropolitan area where they can find solutions for eating high-nutrient food that works for the outcomes they're committed to and they're buying someone else is making them that's fine right Right. if they want to spend so there that's like a lifestyle strategy coming up with strategies that okay when are you eating out when are you not eating out um you you know i i create for people grab and go options in their area um but then talking about physiological strategies right Mm -hmm. so if you're speaking to the different conditions pcos uterine fibroids things like that you know um Overall, I hear, oh, you know, PCOS. I mean, come on, that's like insulin resistance all day long, right? 101. I try exactly. to tell people that all the time. Exactly. And people so, so many times focus on the reproductive health aspects and the reproductive system. I'm like, yes. this is a metabolic dysfunction disorder that has reproductive health consequences. That's it. Go back Bingo. to the basics. But yeah, continue. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, we're doing, you and I are speaking the same language, right? We're yeah. going to fo- focus on nutritional strategies Mm -hmm. that keep their blood sugar level stable. So, I mean, simply put, that's going, that is going to be a lower carbohydrate approach, right? That is going to be, um, you know, using, so uh, some people forget that vegetables are carbohydrates, right? Mm -hmm. So really focusing on those, the vegetable based, um, you know, non-starchy carbs over right. the starchy carbs that are mm-hmm. vegetables, right? And focusing on lower grain doesn't mean zero grain. So, you know, right. doing all the work we can, right? Uh, healthy fats, mono, mm-hmm. mono and polyunsaturated fat, like avocado and guacamole, nuts, nut butter, seed, seed butters, right? All those things. Right. And then, you know, high quality protein options. So fundamentally speaking, coming up with a way that of eating that works for them, that keeps their blood sugar level stable so that we're not spiking their insulin 24 seven. And mm-hmm. then in addition to that, um, you know, using some botanicals intelligently, I'm right. sure like you, you know, like berberine all day long. Love right. it. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Wonderful. So besides weight loss, you also work with other complex health challenges, including barriers to longevity and that risk reduction approach the health conundrums that we talked about before, like brain fog and migraines and digestive distress like GERD and IBS. So tell us about your work with individuals with these conditions. Yeah. So whenever I work with anyone, whether it's around weight or digestion, um, you know, skin, whatever it might be, we start with a firstly a 30 minute complimentary consultation so that we can both make sure it's a good fit moving ahead. Right. And then beyond that, Uh, When we do officially move forward, it's a 90-minute conversation that allows me to get a lot more puzzle pieces, right? Mm -hmm. I think about this, we're, you know, I'm the chief detective, but you're also, like, you're definitely my assistant where there's a partnership here, right? right. right? So I'm gathering puzzle pieces, and I'm looking for missing puzzle pieces, and those missing puzzle pieces are labs, Mm -hmm. right? So after that first appointment, we're going to order the labs, and you know, it's only through that first, you know, 90 minute conversation that I'm able to really see what information we need. So for the individual in front of me with their, whether it's the person with the digestive distress or the, you know, skin has gone wackadoodle sort of situation, (laughs) right? Technical terms. um, Some of those tests might be the same, even though the symptoms are different, right? right? You know, the microbiome obviously is, it's so foundational to so many of these chronic conditions we see. So it may be an assessment of the microbiome coupled with, you know, doing a wide variety of tests at Quest, you know, like a more of a standard lab test sort of thing. Um, it's, It's almost always those standard lab tests coupled with 
specialty lab tests, looking at someone's adrenals, right? You mentioned brain fog. Yeah. So maybe I'm looking at their adrenals. Maybe I'm looking at their production of melatonin. Maybe I'm looking at uh, yeast overgrowth. So, mm-hmm. so what the most likely uh, places that we're going to find the answers are that gets determined in that first appointment. We get that information. And then in the second appointment, we have the chance to sit down, you know, virtually together. And I really see a huge part of my job being educating people, right? Right. I want people to understand what I see about their body. What are Mm -hmm. their labs telling me about the root cause of their brain fog or of their acne or of their IBS or GERD? And Mm -hmm. then, of course, then there's what are we going to do about it, right? Right. There are the nutritional shifts, there's supplementation, whether it's vitamins, minerals, botanicals, digestive enzymes, whatever's needed for the person in front of me. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, lifestyle. Right. And then from there, it take, it's a journey of taking information and translating it into action that produce sustained outcomes. Okay. I love it. And again, you're, we're definitely speaking the same language because, again, even that from your 30-minute complimentary consultation, we may not even be a fit. So before we start dating and before we get into this really like relationship, like a relationship, like let's find out if we like know each other or we like each other first. Um, and then getting into that more in depth, you know, like fact finding mission when we're, you know, deeper into our relationship. So I even like that because it does set the tone for a partnership and really being yes. able to do the things together to work toward that goal versus just showing up and you expecting me to do all the heavy lifting as, and you as a passive bystander or I'm going to give you instructions, Godspeed, and figure it out yourself. So I think that's such a very important part of not just the weight loss, but any complex health challenge, knowing that you have a partner, knowing that you have someone who's going to be there during all those steps, even when you falter, yep, we're going to help you pick up those pieces, put them back together, and help you move forward. So very important. And so this question has seemingly nothing to do with weight loss, but it pertains to fertility challenges and trying to conceive. If there is any place under the sun that is data-driven, it's the fertility numbers space. How do you work with those that are experiencing fertility challenges? Yeah, so similar in the sense that it starts with gathering a lot of information, right? right? I want to understand, okay, are they having a normal healthy cycle or mm-hmm. not? How long have they been trying? Has their partner been, you know, what's going on with their partner. It does take right. two to make a, ch- a baby, right? <laughs> yes. Like all these important things. So many people you know, forget that. All right. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that thing, the swimmers, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so certainly it starts with all of that. Uh, right. And then getting the data, right? Doing mm-hmm. the lab tests, which commonly in that situation will be a combination of comprehensive quote-unquote standard lab tests. So these are just tests I order from Quest. But uh, I do often tell people, you are going to feel like you're donating blood because we're getting a lot of information, Mm -hmm, right? This is mm -hmm. very actionable information. Um, And then, you know, sometimes but not always, I will pair that with an adrenal assessment and sex hormone assessment, like a salivary assessment, right? Because we can see, you know, if someone's adrenals are totally shot, good luck with making healthy sex hormones, right? Right. Good luck with conceiving. Uh, You know, you obviously, I know I'm preaching to the choir when I say this, but our, our body always preserves what it needs in order for us to stay alive first and foremost, right? Survival Mm -hmm. first period. And procreation is not part of that conundrum. Not at all, right? <laughs> we don't need to feel sexy. We don't need to make children, <laughs> and we do not to have need to have beautiful hair to right. you know stay alive, right? We right, you know, anyway, or uh, teeth so, or any of those other things yeah, that I tell people all the time. Details. Like, yeah, you exactly. don't need teeth to live. You don't. You right, definitely right, don't. But again, right. it's nice to have. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's keep those guys. Uh, but you know, so looking at our adrenals and how they're functioning, of course, in, in conjunction with our sex hormones helps us understand is, is that part of what's at play, you know, assuming that it is the fertility challenges does lie with the woman in this situation, um, then understanding that and then making sure the body is well supported to, you know, balance out the production of sex hormones, um, in some of the, you know, 
interesting fertility challenges I've in- encountered and, and worked with people to resolve. I, I can think of a woman in particular who she and her husband had gone through multiple t- rounds of IVF. And mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that's no small endeavor, both in the way of, uh, you know, in the way of emotions in the way of time. And of course, in the way of financial resources Absolutely. and, um, they had been coming up empty hand, you know, they, she wasn't getting pregnant. And, and I started working with her. And one of the things we saw for her was that her homocysteine was really high. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you're nodding knowingly, right? So yep. essential for healthy methylation, methylation essential for life. Gosh, I wonder why she's not getting pregnant, right? Right. So uh, what was interesting is we tried, you know, the more standard interventions and it didn't work for her. Her homocysteine mm-hmm. remained high. So for her, we went down a specialty lab test that gave us an understanding of, of which enzymes really required support, right? Right. Uh, and and we then we did that right we we gave her body the cofactors which in this mm-hmm. case were B6 TMG a little bit of SAMI right to yeah. grease those wheels and her homocysteine came down and 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 when it came down I said to her I was like I gotta tell you I mean obviously I can't make any promises but I just really wouldn't be surprised if you got pregnant yeah. And she just celebrated her son's first birthday. So. Absolutely. I love the wins. I love those yes. good stories, especially yes. those fertility challenge stories yes. when we get to the bottom of the underlying condition. And, well, I'm not going to speak directly to that, but it sounds similar to and a lot like MTHFR deficiency. Yes. And if you don't have an, if you just don't have an underlying enzyme, and this is no fault of your own, and it may not even be your dietary choices, but it's it, ha- it ties into that, while it may not be weight loss, it is something that your body can't produce. And if your body can't produce it, and some of the things that you're actually eating are working against that process because you can't metabolize them well, you could be taking all the vitamins in the world and it, your body just can't do the thing that it was designed to do. It can do, but just for some reason in your body can't all of these diets and all these eating this and eating that some of those things aren't good for you so really getting to the, again the bottom underlying root cause of the issue is so very important before making these snap decisions about specific diets or specific plans but not taking into account you're an individual and what worked for your neighbor what worked for your sister what worked for your best friend probably is not going to work for you because you're not them and I yes. really appreciate that individualized approach. So are there any other resources that you can recommend for our listeners who are interested in empowered and sustained weight loss mastery, including your courses, webinars, and even that complimentary consultation you spoke about? Yes, absolutely. So first, I'll speak to the complimentary consultation. If anyone is interested in signing up for a complimentary consultation, you can go to my website, wellempower.com. Mm -hmm. and click through to do that. Uh, That is one thing. Also, if you are interested in one of my upcoming courses, you can fill out that form and we can make sure that you get on the list so that you find out about upcoming courses. Um, On my website, you will find uh, past webinars where there's lots of free material available for anyone who would like to just poke around and, and get a better sense of how I work, maybe find out some, you know, you'll find some information on histamines and, uh, you know, there, there's a pretty good selection of webinars up there. So anyone who would like some, some, uh, some just, uh, more, more learnings, they can go to the website and go to past webinars and find them there too. Okay. Wonderful. And, and lastly, any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Parting words of wisdom. I'm going to give Uh, So listeners, two things. One is I really invite you to get clear on your intention for your health and your life, right? And that is simply put, what is your intention for your health and your life and making sure your why is in there also. So if you haven't already written them down, the two questions I invite you to or prompts rather I invite you to speak to is one is the five-year future. Tell the story of the five-year future with your health as you intend it to be. And two Mm -hmm. is tell the five-year future of a spiral down reality, right? So I really do invite you to do that work. And the second piece of, uh, of information or the second thing I'll leave you with is a, an encouragement 
to move about your day and your week ahead with one guiding light. And that is Mm -hmm. asking yourself, what is the best game I can play right now? What is the best game I can play right now? And that may be around nutrition. That Mm -hmm. may be around meditation. That may be around your bedtime. It may be around movement. And, you know, for example, when it comes to if someone really feels like, oh gosh, 20 minutes of meditation is ideal. Okay, great. Guess what? You wake up in the morning, your dog goes out, your kiddo needs XYZ, 15 minutes have been eaten up. You have five minutes. So five minutes of meditation, that may be your best game. And I'm going to be cheering for you all day long. You take those five minutes and you walk around (laughs) proud of yourself all day for using, for playing your best game in that moment. Love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Jesse. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a wonderful afternoon and continue empowering others to do this work. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure being with you. And now it's wine time. Whether you're a wine aficionado or enthusiast, or merely wine curious, this segment is for you. Some of the best conversations, like the one I just had, occur over a glass of wine with great company. And if you don't imbibe at all, cheers to your health, wellness, and healing too. In addition to her unique approach to weight loss, Dr. Haymeyer brought to my remembrance something in particular, Swiss wine. So if you ask almost anyone if they fancy a glass of Portite Arbine, you can expect a baffled response. It's hardly surprising because Swiss wines remain a jealously guarded secret. For every 100 bottles produced, fewer than two will make it out of the country. Playing host to around 250 grape varietals, many of them indigenous to its vertiginous vineyards, the Swiss manage to quaff almost every drop they produce. And who can blame them? If you're a wine lover, one of the best things about early summer in Switzerland is taking part in one of the country's open cellar days. During these days or sometimes weekends, you can buy a ticket, which comes with a free tasting glass, and you could head into the vineyards. You'll wander from wine cellar to wine cellar, sampling as much wine as you like. And so in high school, I took a European tour with my class, and we were able to go to Switzerland and around the Lake Geneva area. And this was one of the trips or extra activities we were allowed to do. And unlike the U.S., there is no drinking age. And so I took the opportunity to explore, you know, Switzerland's wine country and hop from vineyard to vineyard and wine cellar to wine cellar and really expose myself to what was going on there. It was free. It was part of the tour. And I figured, you know, now or never. And so it was really a nice opportunity to not only stretch my palate, but really get exposed to what I didn't really even know was that Swiss wines aren't available everywhere. And Switzerland's most famous wine growing area is the UNESCO World Heritage Site in Laveau in Baden. And the grapes in Laveau are said to benefit from the three suns, the sun itself, the heat emitted by the wall terraces, and the light reflected off of Lake Geneva. And so Let's talk about Switzerland for a little bit. Switzerland is famous for many things. It's snowy peaks and top-notch skiing. It's beautiful alpine lakes and it's picture-perfect villages and towns. And when it comes to food, cheese, and chocolate, Switzerland immediately comes to mind. From gooey fondue to that sweet Matterhorn-shaped candy bars, there is a lot to be enjoyed. Wine, however, is something Switzerland excels in producing, but it's not typically famous for. And one of the most famous wine regions is located in the Lake Geneva region between Lausanne and the Montreux Riviera. Although generally mountainous, Switzerland also has many hilly regions which are ideal for planting vineyards. With the area in the southwest, especially around Lake Geneva, is the perfect climate for grapes to strive and thrive. And it's about, I don't know, 800 hectares. And Laveau is the largest contiguous vineyard area in the country, and its terraces have been protected by UNESCO since 2007. 
The product of these vineyards is equally protected, so much so you won't be able to taste the amazing wine produced in Laveau anywhere else. The vineyards in Laveau produce a grape called Chaselas, which yields a white wine that is crisp and easy to drink, and it's perfect for even the hottest summer days. With no machinery and virtually no chemicals involved, the wine is only produced in small batches each year. Therefore, the small amount that is produced is too good to share outside the region. And in general, wine production pretty much stays right there, and maybe two or three bottles or so escape some way, somehow. So in looking at wine and just looking at the Laveau region, you have to travel to that area. And it's definitely worth the journey, both for the wine and its natural beauty. Overlooking Lake Geneva, the vineyards are dotted with old stone farmhouses. And some of those are considered to be some of the most scenic in the world. And I have to agree. The area can be explored by taking a small train. But we went on foot and we went through the Swiss wine route, stretching all the way up and down the vines. And it's a must do, a must do, especially if you love wine and nature, which I do. The trail is so very easy to walk. The panoramic views are amazing. And they're lined with wineries and wine bars, which are perfect places to enjoy a glass or two of chilled petite arbine. So if you haven't had a glass of Petite Arbine in general, it is just a really good white wine, a really good white grape. It has some bracing acidity, a wonderful grapefruit aroma, and there's a touch of salty minerality on the palate, and they range from dry to lusciously sweet. Some of the food pairings I saw or remember are smoked ham terrine and pan-fried whitefish with lemon and capers. And so Swiss wine might be hard to find and it's easy to love. So remember, when you're saying cheers, don't forget to look the person in the eye when you clink your glasses. Salud. Thanks for joining Women's Health, Wisdom, and Wine. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply it to your own life. Also, remember to follow us, review us, and give us five stars. Till we meet again, remember, nourish your flourish.